Today was a weird day. <laughs> a bit. Yeah, that's farm life. It's cold. Yes. It's raining. It's been progressively cold. A big storm knocked out our power for all afternoon. Yep. We got a big load of firewood delivered. That was perfect timing. While we were installing our new dishwasher. <laughs> and getting ready to have a big friend event tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. So I was <laughs> supposed to cook all day. Yeah. It was get the dishwasher installed, cook all day. Uh-huh. So, you know, so you have to zig and zag. When something like that happens, you just pivot or you shift or... Well, the pivot was the power's supposed to come on at 2.30. Uh-huh. Oh, the power's supposed to come on at 4.30. And around uh-huh. that time, I was like, hey, Vicky, yeah. your, your mom, can I come over to your house and cook? Yeah, they have a generator, so... But they went to a wedding. So the house was empty. Yeah, home alone. Yep. In their kitchen. Mm-hmm. I took a big old grocery bag of all my stuff. I took my cast iron skillet. I took my, you know what I'm saying? All my olive oil, all the stuff that I was preparing. I was going to make the um, eggplant parmesan that we've talked about all season four. Mm-hmm. That's such a big hit. Yep. I made that over there, but ooh, I forgot an ingredient. She won't care if I go through the pantry and find the rosemary, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was interesting working in a different space. Yep. And their space too, because I want to leave everything super clean. <laughs> that makes sense. I suppose if you go in anybody's kitchen, you want to keep it super clean when you uh, yeah, leave it. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when you use somebody else's kitchen, right? <laughs> I texted her, your kitchen's fun. I actually want her to do some kind of an educational talk where it's, she teaches you about gadgets on the homestead and how to use your gadgets on the homestead. What's going on over there with the computer? I just want to make sure everything's okay. Because, I mean, yeah, we wouldn't even be recording this today if the first recording we'd done on Thursday had worked. Yeah, yeah that was our dress rehearsal. Uh, That's happened one time before in the mm, 156 plus 12 it's episodes. More than once. You think? That's okay. I, I know. But that's okay. So you have to pretend like we haven't already had a dinner table talk about skunky part pew. Well, I can't recreate it anyways, so you might as well <laughs> pretend like we haven't had it. <laughs> We caught a skunk last week. We told you all about it. I have not caught a skunk since, although the traps have been set every single night. I think I figured out why. The first night that I set a trap, I didn't have any cat food. So that's what I was going to use as bait. So I went down to the local, the little small town grocery store, and they didn't have cheap cat food. They had Fancy Feast. I bought a single can of Fancy Feast. Didn't we talk about fancy dog food last week? Yes. In our small town, you only buy fancy food for your fancy pet. Then, success, I caught a skunk that first night. When I went to the grocery store after that to buy more cat food, I bought the cheapest one I could find. 75 cents for this tiny little can of cat food. I figured cat food's cat food. And I figured it out. Our skunks are food snobs. Of course. We have nothing but good food here to eat on this farm. I would expect nothing less. So now your dad suggested like Starkiss tuna, but the cheap generic brand. So that's what I loaded them up with overnight last night. (laughs) We have to upgrade for our fancy skunks. Yeah, the fancy skunks. If I'm going to catch them, they need fancy feasts. Skunky part pew. He did actually, or she, or the family of whomever, because I was thinking about that. I was like, last year, I remember I kept coming in and I was like, we have a skunk. And everybody was like, oh, it might be a possum, might be whatever, this or that. And I was like, nope, we have a skunk. I know we do. Because they dig down and they get the grubs out of the soil alongside my gardens, which is actually really beneficial. They do beneficial work. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, so he went out and got his friend and he brought his friend over here and he said, hey, this place is a good place. And then you said, 
or he made his own family. And I was like, that's what he did. He went off and got himself a pretty lady. He brought her over to the farm and then they made some babies. And then there's like skunks everywhere. And now we have an overpopulation of skunks of which Kai Shin didn't care that much until I came home one night and you hadn't made it back home yet. And the storm had just blown through. So it was wet. It's dark outside. I let the dog out to go to the bathroom real quick, not thinking anything of it because it's raining outside. It's cold. We let him. So he's just going to run out there. He's going to come right back in. So then when he comes to the door, "Eh!" he didn't like yelp, but I heard a noise. He was definitely loud. And I just thought he just was being loud because he wanted to come inside. So I let him in. And then he must have run straight to the studio, right? Like basically right where we are right now. And gotten in his little dog bed and started wallering around on his dog bed before I connected with something weird was going on. He was covered in skunk pew. I don't even know how to describe it, you guys. It was the saddest, most disgusted, most... His face. His face. Pitiful. That's all right. He just was covered in grass and i mean and it looked like it looked like he'd been pissed on because he had yellow a yellow stripe down his side <laughs> and i was nowhere to be found you weren't home it was a friday night so i was planning on getting up to go to the rockport farmer's market at like 7 a.m like up early early the next day i still had work that i needed to get done around the house oh my god what am i gonna do and there's no other solution to this so first thing i do i throw him out on one porch That porch is like a closed-in porch with one of my chairs that now needs to go. It needed to go already. But he's wallowing around. I'm like, no, 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 not that. that." So I take him out and throw him out on the other porch. He's just looking at me like, what the hell did I do wrong? This is the worst day of my life. And I stink. Yeah. So I go over to the internet and I'm like looking around. What's the answer? And it is baking soda, peroxide, and Dawn soap. And you just make a really thick foam of it and you cover them with it. And then I let it like soak on him for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I wouldn't let him shake. Nope. no, Right. No, Don't shake. No, no. I got him really clean. He was all nice and white. The only place that he kind of had the smell was like a little bit around his nose and face because you can't get that close to his eyes, you know? With the peroxide and the... Yeah. And after I got him all washed off and kind of dried up just a little bit, I just like threw him in his crate. I was like, I do not have any more time for you tonight. Like, period. Just go to bed. Got him up the next morning and everything was fine. I was on my way home from Austin. Yeah. I finally connected via text. You're like, well, I've had an adventure. (laughs) I was like, when you come home, when you walk through the door, you're going to have to tell me whether the house smells like skunk, like pure skunk, because I've done saged the entire space. I have no clue what it smells like in here. And Your I'm not even kidding. Your nose has been swimming in it for a while. So I'm literally like Santa Maria. I'm like saging <laughs> the whole house because... Well, it's a, my pleasure, your pleasure. I walked in and it wasn't too bad. <laughs> I had always heard, or I thought that you might have dunked him in tomato sauce. No, that that was that some kind from. of wives' tale remedy for a skunk spray. No. But then I Googled that to see how accurate that even was, and I, I guess I made that up. Has, has anyone heard of tomato sauce, taking a bath in tomato sauce if you get sprayed by a skunk? I would suggest before you do some old wives' tale, you try baking soda and peroxide on pretty much everything yeah. that is biological because it pretty much solves the problem. Ooh. 
So last week's episode was all about how you didn't think you'd said anything the week prior, and I listed out some of the things. Mm -hmm. Then you said even more last week, <laughs> so much so that I'm looking up at the timestamp when you say something big, and I'm like, we, we don't have time for this. I'm just going to gong this, all right? Yeah. You said time is irrelevant. That's because time is irrelevant. And boy, did we ever get an opportunity to test that when we don't have a podcast on Saturday at 7 <laughs> p.m. or whatever time it is when the podcast goes out on Monday and we have a big event, right? Looking at that situation, that's a, it's a perfect situation because I immediately start going, how's this time going to work? When's he going to do that? When's he going to do this other thing? Worry, worry, worry. Win, win, win. Do, do, do. How does blah, it cook blah, blah. with no power? <laughs> yeah, all of it. All of it. I was like, how, how am I going to get these flowers yeah. planted when it's 40 degrees and raining? Yeah, exactly. We come across this thing where we talk about time is irrelevant or time doesn't matter. People say things like that. You know, people throw that kind of stuff around. They probably throw it around now more than they ever did in the you know, in the past decade, they're throwing that kind of terminology around. Time is irrelevant. And I'm one of those types of people that tends to try to like, well, what does that mean? Why are people saying time is irrelevant? That phrase, that comment yeah. is coming into your universe more and more. Yeah. And so I find myself running across it. I find myself using it. And then I was thinking about it. What is it to embody that concept that time is relevant? And it's a lot easier to do that if you're not faced with things, right? So when you're not faced with all of a sudden, like the electricity went out, you weren't counting on that. This was the day that like perfectly aligned to put the dishwasher in that we've been needing to get put in for months. The Thursday podcast didn't record correctly. So now I do, that is catching up with us and we do have to deal with that. You know, frankly, if I think about it, maybe that's part of the thing is that I need to learn to let go and you have already learned that time is irrelevant. You you are capable of making all kinds of shit happen in an hour that I can't even imagine is even possible to occur in an hour. And ultimately, that's what I'm saying I here. I process time stress differently than you do. Well, that's what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is, is that when you begin to understand time is irrelevant, you use it differently, right? So you actually use time differently than I use time. We use time in these like, do, do, do. I've got to solve this problem. I've got, I'm, I'm coded to be constantly doing the next thing to be prepared for something. Or if we're not doing the next thing to be prepared for something, then we're having a sense of we're not doing enough, which makes us have that shame, yeah. guilt. And then even to the point of, well, procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. While the whole time I'm procrastinating, I'm kind of worrying about the fact that I'm procrastinating. So now I've had this sense of worry going on inside me. There is an opportunity to shift it. But I know these things aren't necessarily easy to drop from our coding, especially when we're dealing with the big adventures of life, the big challenges of life, the big pushes of the day-to-day, -day. especially like, let's say, moms, young moms that have kids that are going to school, and also they've got eight to five jobs, and also there's ballet and soccer, and, da -da -da -da, and they've got to get somebody fed and all of those types of things. It's like, yeah, what is she even talking about? I don't even have time to contemplate that time is irrelevant. One thing that I've noticed, and you might be talking about something like this, the trip to the vacation is always a lot longer than the trip home. Exactly. Even though it's the same amount of time. Yeah. You can be sitting in a super long lecture 
some information that you've perceived as totally boring. And it's, uh, oh my God, this, this is never going to end. One hour lecture is going on and on and on. Or you could sit in front of somebody you haven't spoke to in a couple of years that you find very intriguing. All of a sudden you've been sitting there talking to them for three or four hours. That happens to me all of the time. Watching water boil. We all know how oh, that feels. Yeah. 15 minutes takes lifetimes, it feels like. It's like it takes wind. less time to get the water boiling at your mom's house than it does ours. Oh, really? Yeah, because of that induction stove <laughs> top that they've got. They've got a magic thing. Then I'm sitting here looking at the age of my kids, like my youngest baby that mm-hmm. I delivered is an 18-year-old. And I'm telling you that I, while I remember how challenging the last 18 years were, but there was also great things that happened... I also feel like I ju- I'm still advocating for cloth diapers. Like in my mind, I'm like... You're still there. <laughs> I'm still... What? And I've noticed more and more people talking about... Without even saying things like times are relevant. Just saying things like, what? How, did, how are we already in November? At the end of November of 2022... How did that happen? How is it time to vote for president again? How is it, you know, all of those oh, November kind of markers? It's was already a... World Cup? Then this whole time change thing that the government has control of, which leads me to another conversation we won't go into, but that is that you are irrelevant as it relates to government policy anymore. Because when the government decides we're just going to hold on to this time change that's truly irrelevant to everyone else. It doesn't benefit anybody else. We know you want to change it, but we're just not going to change it. Okay. So that puts something different on the table. The whole concept of whether our vote even matters and whether the government even cares what we think about the time. But at the same time, it also shows you that you can, they can add days to the calendar. If the government decided that across the board, they wanted to change a policy about time, they could do it whenever they wanted to. I mean, I'm sorry, but I saw those types of things happen. Now, they might have to go backwards on it. They might have to fight a bunch of other fights. A bunch of other shit might happen. So that becomes a thing where it's like times are relevant because, I mean, we get up and we turn the lights on and we go to work and we, you know, whatever. So if the government tells us that the time needs to be such and such, well, then times are relevant. So we're just going to go over here and change our clocks and then we're going to be on that time then, you know. But what if... I could slow down or shift or manipulate time the same way that it occurs to me that it has got to be being moved around, not only by me, but also by corporate entities. How do I move time around? What if I stop and observe what it feels like when I feel that sense of urgency, like today? Today. When are we going to get the podcast done? How's he going to get that food done? Am I going to even be able to get those flowers planted? I was planning on doing this other thing. What if I just stop and say, regardless of what happens between now and Sunday at 6 p.m., Sunday at 10 p.m. is going to be here. Right. And all the things that occurred between there is plenty. And the interesting thing about that is, now we'll watch over the next few days how I feel about this. I actually wanted to ask you about this after we talked about it a few days ago to see if you implemented any of it into your mind thoughts, anything you were thinking about, just to see if you could play with time. Because I promise you, if you start doing it, you will begin to see that you can play with time. I do it all the time now. I look down at my watch and I go, huh, I only have 15 minutes. Normally, that's one of those things that I would probably put off because it's going to take me about 45 minutes. Let me see what I can get done. And I can get it done. 
And it's weird. We've talked about this before. It's like, I can just get up and do it. It takes 15 minutes. Well, this is clearly something that you're working through, I can tell. I just am looking for things that I think will benefit not only my life, but if I share it with other people, other people's lives. If people don't have enough confidence in their innateness and in their intuitivity to try some things like this out, their natural innate magic to try it out, well, then it doesn't really matter what I say about it. Just ignore me and scroll on. Okay, but I want you to keep me posted. I want you to keep me posted. Tell me when you try it out. You will probably be really powerful with it because you already manipulate time. I'm a master manipulator of many things. <laughs> you are. Time. And this week, soups. <laughs> yes, always soups. Because when we get a cold dip, the first big, big one that's going to stick in for a few days, maybe even a week, I know soups are going to make everybody smile. Yep. I love soup. And you knew what I was up to when I said you got any carrots. You were up to making chicken noodle soup, that's right? That's right. I had celery in the refrigerator. And if you had pulled some carrots, I've already got the chicken made. Mm-hmm. Gluten-free noodles always in the pantry. I'm going to be able to make myself a chicken noodle soup. It was good. It was very good. Simple, but lots of my brassica greens were in it. So that was something you were able to add into it. Well, once you make the chicken noodle soup in this house, it's, okay, what can we add to this thing? And you had some tromboncino squash and yeah, like you said, the brassica greens. So it was kind of a chunky vegetable chicken noodle soup, Mm -hmm. always around here. It was really good. Then a couple days later... You asked me what I had, and I said, more greens. Yeah. Okay, well, let's make, let's make a greens-based soup. More squash. You send me a recipe, Tuscan kale and squash minestra. This has the navy beans in it. Yeah, beans. Got, got those in the can. And uh, I got some great shaped gluten-free pasta just for this soup. And, of course, I always post those recipes over there on Facebook. You said earlier you were going to go to the Rockport Farmer's Market. Yes. Was that your first time there? Yes, it was. Okay, I'm going to ask a question, and you tell me, I'm not trying to be rude or ugly. If you hadn't been there, mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been a farmer. Correct. So do they not have a farmer or, a or farmers farmer. that go there? Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, vegetables, greens. Yeah, it's vegetables important because people farm that are not growing vegetables. Well, I loved it. I thought it was such a great day. It was a great day. I don't know what they do about vegetables out there. I think people are... As always, eager to have a farmer's market when you have a community, even though our community is still a fairly fairly small community, it's independent cities, and each city wants to have its own ownership of a farmer's market because they know it benefits their city to have a farmer's market in it. The challenge with that is, is that even after the past 10 years of all of the different angles that I have studied, the local food system in South Texas, the Coastal Bend, farmer's markets, community, I mean, every from, from both sides of selling vegetables, distributing vegetables, growing vegetables, teaching about growing vegetables, that people in South Texas, particularly the Coastal Bend, the Coastal Bend, I'm going to focus on that, don't eat fresh vegetables. They don't buy fresh vegetables. And so because of that, the desire to have more farmer's market in every city that has farmers that grow vegetables, but people don't show up to buy vegetables. I mean, they might show up to buy vegetables, but it's very specifically like tomatoes, lettuce, peaches, strawberries that... Peaches and strawberries actually don't even grow down here. They just get distributed to us. (laughs) Well, I'll take it back to the very beginning because I got to ride shotgun while you started the farmer's market Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a few weeks into it that you and friends said... Education. The lack (laughs) of food to bring to a farmer's market is alarming. Yeah. 
we need to do something even broader so that we can begin teaching people how to do this. See, I knew way back then that it was a double-edged sword. I knew that it was a supply and demand. I knew that we had to teach everybody at the same time in order for it to... Create the demand as the supply was increasing. Correct. But what typically happens is that the idea of this concept, because this particular concept is a challenging one in that it is a true consumerism market. It's a food market. That's what it is. That's at the most basic level of common consumerism. It's a food market. But it gets treated like a charity community event because we have grocery stores. So we don't actually need a market anymore based on the idea that we have food access. The problem was, is that we didn't have the kind of food access that we wanted at the basic grocery stores. Right. That's why I started it, because I didn't have access to the food I wanted at my grocery store. Sure. The the larger grocery community, and our grocery chain, I think, does a great job in trying to match what the community is looking for with what they provide. Mm-hmm. Had no organic section, if you will. Had no produce in the produce area that had a local sticker on it. And if that was important to you, that was not going to be borne out through the grocery stores because there was literally no demand for that 10 years ago. Well, and in particular, the way we developed the farmer's markets, we developed the farmer's markets with the ideas that they were community centers because we believed that that would help increase the education on both sides of the sword, right? Supply Mm -hmm. and demand would increase if we created a community center where people came together. Right. And bought food. Food truck important. Yep. Live music important. Yep. yep. I mean, I went and spoke for years about being the anchor to a downtown community. And I truly believe in my heart of everything that over the last two decades, one of the biggest things that helped the downtown of Corpus Christi was the Corpus Christi downtown farmer's market. The fact that it was there every Wednesday consistently and we fought the fight real loud. So it brought attention to downtown. Now, there were a lot of other things going on. So I don't take full credit for that, but I do take, we were a part of the moment mm-hmm. that momentum that occurred. So that we created a community center, that does exist. That's strong. Many, many, many seeds were planted because of the work that we've done there with that. It is a very valuable part of the community. Farmers markets are very valuable parts of the community. Please hear that, everyone that's hearing me speak. But in addition to that, what I learned was we got people to come to the farmers markets. We did not get them to begin eating more fresh vegetables. And it didn't matter whether it was people with money, people that were educated, people that were uneducated. It didn't matter we didn't increase the number of people that were eating fresh vegetables, yeah. do I believe. Well, uh, I can... Even if you did a quantitative data search of it, that's not what's occurring. Well, I can tell you that I'm there every Wednesday. And now that we moved over the bridge, OTB, you're not there every Wednesday. But I'm consistently there because I am a person that shops at the farmer's market. That is where we buy our meat. That is where we buy supplemental vegetables to what you're growing. Yep. I can tell you that I rub shoulders with several people every week that are doing the same thing. Well, that's when we get into that concept of the fact there's there's literally 1% of the 1% actually purchasing fresh vegetables at the farmer's market. That's not enough to keep the supply and demand up. So let okay? me think about what you're saying. 
if a farmer's market has a thousand people walk through the door. That farmer's market, the Corpus Christi downtown farmer's market is a 5,000. That's its max capacity. 5,000 taken zip codes at the door at a max capacity. That farmer's market will have 5,000 people. Okay. 5,000. And some nights, especially if there's a drop of rain on the ground, it's drastically less than that. Uh, so for the purposes of just where I'm the going... The same 50 people that actually buy vegetables if, if a, the are thou- the ones yeah, that show up if 5, it rains. 5,000 people, 50... Okay, you know what? I buy this number. Mm-hmm. I buy this number. The community doesn't treat a farmer's market like a valuable asset. The community treats the farmer's market like a fun, entertaining thing to do. And if it doesn't exist, it doesn't hurt me if it doesn't exist. When I say that out loud, there are people out there that are going to go, absolutely not. That is so not the truth. Except I can guarantee you that I also didn't see your face at the farmer's market every week because that's where you got your food from, right? I love you, but you got food from the grocery store because life is hard. Life is inconvenient. Things happen. You have other things to do right? And when it comes down to it, when the food is required to be there, because all of a sudden it's a beautiful, sunshiny, cool Wednesday before Thursday on Thanksgiving, and you show up to buy all the food, the farmers aren't showing up with vegetables because it was kind of a hard year. But also on top of that, you didn't show up last year. So I'm not going to try harder. And if, the, if I get hit hard because, and I tried the same amount I did last year, I've got even less produce. And so this idea of supply and demand, this idea of how many people can we expect, they know how many to expect. And in fact, when the pandemic went through and there was a, a situation where everyone was rushing to the farmer's market to buy food because the grocery stores were literally empty of right. food, yeah, people were going was, to the I farmer's market those. to buy food. I was there for that week. I was somehow involved in the conversation. Maybe someone asked me, given everything that we about COVID, mm-hmm. would you come to the farmer's market? And I said, not only would I come, yeah. but it must be open. It's the best. It's, it, it's where else would you want to go? Right. And so, you know, they were very, very careful about the social distancing and the masks. And I mean, again, put yourself back into that time when it first started and the uh, grocery stores had no eggs. That. And the grocery stores had no meat. And and that has happened three to four times in the since 2017. Mm-hmm. It's 2022. It's not even right. 2023 yet. That has had three. That has happened three or four times. But I don't want to step it, on your point. You were saying that when that happens and there's a huge rush to the farmers market, it's great. The farmers are like, oh my god, we're selling everything so fast. But then all of a sudden they're out of food. That's mostly that's mostly like your meat farmers and stuff like that because they've got it in the freezers. Your vegetable farmers, they're selling out within the first few hours, and then they don't have anything for three more months. Yeah. That was the harvest that would have lasted them for weeks. Exactly. It's gone in a day. And they're not prepared for that. It's a delicate day. Okay, so then they they come back the next year, and they start scaling a little bit. I want to say as kindly as I can that these days, the farmers that are showing up to sell just vegetables are not at the farmer's market to create any kind of sustainable, healthy food production for their lifestyle. They are doing it as a charity community service for the community. And I can name a couple of aging farmers that are still doing it and they're doing it because they want to provide you fresh vegetables, but they're very, very tired and frustrated because they've been doing it a very long time and it's still not a sustainable thing that they wanted to create. And it's because we get tempted to scale up, 
We get tempted to grow exactly what we think you want us to grow. We don't make the commitments and the investments that we need to on our own land so that we can move towards that real scaling, natural scaling of regenerative farming and spending the time investing in a way that we can we can scale correctly to meet the supply and demand because we're getting a consistent connection with right. somebody. It's a delicate dance and it's moving in the correct direction. It's a delicate dance. And, and here's the thing. As far as it relates to vegetable farmers, if there was money to be made on vegetables in this community, there would be people growing vegetables in this community. But no one has been able to see the ability to actually make a sustainable actual income. Mm -hmm. And I add sustainable to income. It's all included in that. No one has proved that it could be done in our region yet. And the only way for that to actually be sustainable, that small gardener, small farmer thing to exist in our community is that it has to be a person to person, direct to consumer. And, and didn't and that's, a lot of that get created in the pandemic? Yes, absolutely. And not only that, but that was the original intention of the farmer's market industry from the very beginning when it really started to get its thrive again in Texas, direct to consumer. Yeah. Direct to consumer. The, the thing farmer's about it market is, is being it, one option for you. Yes. And there are others. But we live, Texas is very spread out. And then all of a sudden the cities became the places where you were seeing kind of some progressive shifts towards kombuchas and other types of like healthy foods. So then the farmer's market got this like trend to it. But the thing about it is, is that Texas has been doing farmer's markets and farm stands and roadside farm, this and that, and all these other things. Yeah. So there are homesteaders all across the coastal bend that have food and they would love to put a little money in their pocket. I promise you, especially these days. Are you kidding? Yeah. Everybody but, wants a little money in their pocket. But during the pandemic, when people weren't going out and people were seeing scarcity at the grocery store, I think exactly what one might expect would have happened happened. And that was, what were the names of local farmers that were at the farmer's market? Oh, yeah. Who are they? Let me just directly contact them. Yes. However, none of those situations have really created any kind of consistent ongoing relationships, except some of the ones I've already created this last year. And that is that I'm going to consistently show up and you're going to consistently accept what I have, right? You're not going to go, oh, I'm unhappy with this. I didn't get but one tomato this year, so I'm going to um, bow out this time. Or I'm not going to show up this week. I'm only going to buy it this week, but I'm not going to show up ne next week. We create these concepts of how we want to do these things. But then if everything doesn't show up perfectly as if it came right off the HEB shelf, we bow out or we get too busy in our lives. We don't cook it. And so then we consider it not worth wasteful. our time, wasteful. And so then we bow out or then the restaurant comes on board and they've planned to do farm to table, but they haven't really invested in the farms that they're then going to expect to provide the vegetables all of a sudden to their table. Right. Now they're going to find a little bit because we have overflow of abundance. And if we can't sell it at the farmer's market, then we're going to drive up to your door the next day and go, Hey, can we sell this to you? And we're, we know most of the time you're going to sell, or at least we know what you're going to buy from us and what's not a waste from us. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of education going on on both sides of the sword down here on what actually goes in our region, when does it need to be grown best? How are we going to do it sustainably? How are we going to do it consistently? And 
that's what I'm doing. That is literally what I'm doing yet again, is trying to figure out how to distribute the food, not to the inconsistent, maybe I want to, it's trending and I'd like to be vegan, not into that, to people that are actually seeking it. They're calling around and asking questions and showing up to the farmer's markets and asking whatever you have, teach me what you have right now, because I need to serve my family fresh vegetables, whatever you have. And there's so much psychological baggage, I think, connect with the fact that we don't eat fresh vegetables and that we don't spend money on things that really value our lives, that we won't take the time to do the things that we know will really make life better. We spend our lives enslaved to this hamster wheel of things that ultimately are not are not offering us at the end of life the things that we had really hoped for. Okay, well, here's my last question for you. You started off as a vendor. Mm-hmm. And then... Then I developed a farmer's market. And then and you then developed, I developed a, a non-profit. nonprofit to cover the whole thing. <laughs> and then I ran around the state talking to people and learning. Right. And <laughs> then, you, then you moved over the bridge. <laughs> so now here you are a vendor again, 10 years later. Yeah, now what? What's it like on that side of the coin now? I love it. I love it. And to me, it's like if <laughs> if there was going to be two sides of the sword, two edges to the sword, and we were going to have to solve both sides of the problem, mm-hmm. well, then it makes sense for me to be on both edges of the sword and try to work to solve both sides of the problem. Now, I had never been to that farmer's market before, but sitting there next to you for a period of it, I heard so many people say, oh, great, vegetables. Oh, Oh, is that okra? Oh, let mm-hmm. me have, what are these big squash? Mm-hmm. Oh, you, what is this tea that you've made out of this yep. thing that you've grown? There was a huge interest on the other sides of the table. Absolutely. I think part of it is, though, too, there's got to be a lot of dynamic interaction. You know, if I'm going to show up at a farmer's market, I want to see vitality in what I'm being sold. Not because you're putting on a show, but because that's what you're selling me. And that's what I think is important about direct-to-consumer. And I think that that's what's important about regeneration. I think that's what's important about this concept of sustainability and how we get it to be organic and regenerative and all of those things is that there's always a balance going on on both sides of the table. You, the consumer, me, the supplier. Me, the consumer, you, the supplier. You're the supplier of cash flow this time. I'm the supplier of food this time. Next time, I'm the, you're the supplier of food and I'm the supplier of cash flow or whatever. Y'all understand what I'm trying to say. But you're drawn back to vendors that are living that entire lifestyle. Exactly. I'm with you. That are living a full-fledged, regenerative, uh, understanding the balance of supply and demand, mm-hmm. connecting with the people that I can sell you in May 16 deliveries to your door and throughout the year I text you and say I think I'm coming on such and such day I'll let you know for sure what I'm bringing they get a good idea of how this works I start showing up at their door I deliver beautiful fresh vegetables flowers herbs all kinds of fruits when I have them and they take what I've delivered eggs they take what I've delivered and they make it work and then That consistent relationship grows my farm to where I can continue and I can add another family to my farm. But guess what's going to happen, another family or another restaurant? I'm going to go immediately to the ones that have already done some investing Mm -hmm. in what I'm trying to do because 
I know they're committed. They get first dibs. That's right. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about when I say you have choices to make as it relates to what's going to happen, even if it's only for three days again, or three weeks again, or three years again, where we have these weird spells where money is kind of a challenge, but you're guaranteed to know that the farmer down the road, because you've made connections with whomever, has eggs for $2 a dozen right now because they're overflowing with eggs mean, and they just love their backyard chickens. You mean three days again, three weeks again, if there is a disruption in the food distribution? distribution. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have zero doubt that that type of stuff is going to go on. And I have zero doubt that we're not going to need to know where to get food from and people that we can create relationships with to get access to fresh, fresh foods, herbs, plants, fresh, freshness, life. I would suggest that it's a level of preparedness one should give thought to minimally. If I need eggs or milk in a pinch, Mm -hmm. because they're out everywhere, where would I go? Yeah. I want to try to wipe this idea from people's minds. And I want to apologize if I contributed to adding it to the discourse over the last decade. And that is, don't show up at the farmer's market because you hope they'll be there someday. Show up at the farmer's market because if you don't show up at the farmer's market, they won't be there someday. They won't be there for you. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? Drawing a random question, completely randomly, back to the basics. I've not seen this question. You've not seen it. Okay, I want to speak honestly with you about this. Mm -hmm. How long can food be on the ground and still be fair game for eating? It depends on how much dirt is on it. Let's go. I mean, into, let's go into some detail. If it's got if it's got a wad of grit on it, right. then no time. I, I don't want that. It also depends on where I am, because if I'm at like SeaWorld, <laughs> I'm not eating shit off the ground ever. Disney World, <laughs> never. Okay, but I wouldn't even eat shit off. Is, I wouldn't even eat something that dropped on the ground. Like, like I don't even know. As is common in these kinds of scenarios, that are all hypothetical and fun. You could take it to the weirdest place, off of a public restroom floor. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking well, you about, are if you're like talking that. about Disney World. Okay, well, true, but still, like, think about that. Our oh, kitchen floor on an average day. I pick up stuff off our kitchen floor. That doesn't bother me. And if it's off the ground outside, it literally just depends on how much dirt it has on it. Mm. Is it going to crunch in my mouth? And even then, sometimes I'll still eat it. <laughs> I also think it depends on the density of the food that's fallen. Which is funny. Can you imagine? I just dropped it in some chicken shit and then picked it up and ate it. I do not eat food off the ground near my chicken pen. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> We've got to develop a no shoes at all inside the house situation. Because I know that stuff's getting tracked all You. Over. You. Okay. You. I, I, okay. I, that's um, you. a wonderful way to point all whatever at something or someone else. You too. If you're going in and out of our house through the door with your shoes on. I dare you. Just try it. Try it by yourself. See if you can do it. Just like this time irrelevance thing. Let's say shoes shoes in the house are irrelevant. But the only way that you can change your shoe concept of shoes in the house is if you actively move your mind Mm. to take off your shoes at the door. What do people do that have a no shoes inside the house policy? Do they have house shoes that have never gone outside and those are available to use? 
I think I do want to, I, I, you know what? They're I'm gonging coded. this. I'm gonging this. They're coded to do this in their culture. A piece of ice. People that do this. That goes right in the glass. If I drop something that's a little bit less solid, I'm trying to think of a food item, a piece of soft cheese, a piece of brie cheese. Yeah, that's kind of gross. I don't think I'm going to eat that off of the floor that's just at it's all. Stuck to the floor. Because, yeah, it's, it's melded more with any kinds of germs. It's all in my head. This is all nonsense. It's in my head. No, it's just how much actual debris does it pick up? If I drop an M&M on the floor, when am I eating M&Ms? But if I dropped an M&M on the floor, yes. I'd just pick an M&M up and eat it. Okay, Unless but, I was at Disney World. But a piece <laughs> Not of, eating anything off the floor in Disney World. But a piece of a Hershey bar that doesn't have that protective hard shell. Oh, I'd eat that too. Yeah, you need any chocolate off the floor. <laughs> okay, here's the ultimate quiz. If you dropped a chocolate ice cream blob on the floor, You'd I'm not going to lick. get down on all fours no. and lick it up. No. Don't lie. I would not. Yes, you would. No, I would not. Skunky Part Pew. Skunky Part Pew. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime... Hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.